Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and friends beyond the binary, and my patron peeps. What up, patrons? Uh, thanks for supporting the show. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it's a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whether uh, set aside your thoughts, uh, feelings. What do, I, I, I never get lost this early in the podcast. Uh, I'm going to send my voice across the deep dark night. No, that's too early. Hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome to Sleep With Me, podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to do, attempt to do, sorry, but like, uh, yeah, this is like a little bit of a podcast short circuit, uh, or a two for one. What I'm going to attempt to do is, what I'm going to do is, attempt to create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake uh, so it could be thoughts uh, like huh, did i just botch a podcast intro well, no it's a friendly show we're here to put people to sleep you can't really botch it uh, but i'll see you thoughts later at bedtime i'm sure but uh so if you're if you have thoughts like that the uh I guess has botch been used in this podcast before maybe we'll have to take that word back uh because it is a powerful word, and, you know, we want to, you know, massage it and tone it down. Word massage, a new service by Scooter. I'll see if I can remember that. So whether it's thoughts, it could be feelings, whether they're feelings about the thoughts, if physical sensations, feelings about the past, present, or future. Uh, inta- you know, it could be other intangibles. I don't know, like... Uh, if they're intangible, right, that you don't know. Uh, you might not know. There's sometimes where I can't drift off. It's just baffling. Travel, changes, uh, work, whatever it is, I'm here to help. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to uh, create a safe place where you can come in. You could visit. You could peek in at a distance. This is one of the few safe places you could attend by imaginary binocular or telescope, you say. Well, I'd like to check that safe place out you got there, Scoot. So I'm going to be, uh, you know, I got a new, uh, like a, like a new thing, a monocular and I'll check it out at a distance. And I said, that's great. It works at a distance too, across the room, across the universe. Cause I send my voice across the deep, dark night. I also use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, a bit like a frog's voice, uh, mixed, you know, with something nice, uh, and you know, some you, 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 so frogs would say our voices. They're actually not our voices. One scooter, and, I, and okay, I didn't think I'd get caught in a frog quibble this early because I'm supposed to massage some words later. Uh, but yeah, but creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders, superfluous tangents, uh, us and eyes and gro- you know gr- those groans or errs. Whatever it is, uh, sometimes this bike, it's not like a parody of itself, but uh, I say, okay. But so I'm here to keep you company and take your mind off stuff. Now, if you're new, I'm glad you're here. 
And let me give you a little bit of a, I don't know, overview, I guess. So this podcast is very different. So that's one thing to know off uh, up front. And it's structured different. It feels different. So see how it goes. You might have, it might be very, very different than your expectations, right? And that's okay. Uh, and it doesn't work for everybody. But a lot of people say it takes a few tries to work for it and view it with a loose skepticism, almost like you're doing, uh, you're, you're flying by uh, instead of like, okay, I'm working on this theorem and I'm going to be like a bird flying by a scientist instead of the scientist. You see, I'm going to listen via scientific method tonight, Scoots. And I'd say, well, let's keep the scientific method in the daytime or the nighttime. You know, whatever your work schedule is or your hobby schedule. Right now, we're just like a bird flying by. You say, huh, there's a person down there in a white coat working on something. I believe humans call those beakers. And, uh, but, you know, and that's funny because I got a beak. And, well, no, there's a cloud. I like how they, you know, oh, there's a, another bird. I'm going to go sing a little song with them. Huh, is that a frog's voice I hear? Because I know frogs don't have a voice. It's just a sound they make. So kind of let it drift in one ear now, out one ear, and see how it goes. There's no pressure, uh, really, because I, I just hope it can help you go to sleep. Uh, that's, you know, uh, and it doesn't work for everybody, but again, it, it's it's different. So again, if you're skeptical or you're like, what? Uh, yeah, I mean, I am glad you're here. I really do want to help you fall asleep. Now, structurally, what to expect uh, is your show starts off with a few minutes of business. It's usually like four minutes of business that is able to, for us to keep the podcast free for everybody. So I appreciate getting through that and the people that act on that. Because then it's like, great, we, like our, our engaged community keeps the podcast free for everybody. Very cool. And then uh, then there's an intro. Now, sometimes, particularly if you're new, it, this is why I say give it a few tries, because you'll see what you like and, and how it works for you. The intro is a rambly introduction to the podcast. It takes about 12 minutes. It's not a, an ad or a commercial, or it really has no agenda, uh, except it, here's a couple possible ways listeners use it. And why it's so long and rambly is just, uh, it's based on, I guess it's based on feedback. Cause like people that just want to get to the Star Trek stuff, which is later, you could skip ahead to that. But the, because the intro is about 12 to 14 minutes, it gives you time to wind down if you're in bed or get ready for bed or ramp down. Um, just like, I guess if we're, if I like, so let's pretend, let me give you the rest of your structure. Then we'll do some pretending <laughs> as if any of this is not, you know, the, the, like I live in the world pretend, I guess. So that's the intro. It's just a long wind down. And then if you start listening, you say, well, the intro is not really for me because it doesn't go anywhere. Uh, you could say, you could say, well, I'm just going to listen to the stories or I'm going to join the Patreon and just listen to story only episodes. Uh, but a lot of listeners find, I don't know, I get tons of different ways that people listen. They listen during the day or they fall asleep during the intro or they fall asleep very early in the intro or they fall asleep after the intro as they wind down and get comfortable. 
So that's the intro. Then tonight we'll be talking, and then there's some business to talk between the intro and the show. So I think that's sometimes where it throws people off. They like hear the, the beginning, then they try to skip the intro, then they hear. That's just a structure, kind of similar to most structure podcasts. So there's a business between the intro and the show. And then we'll talk about Star Trek The Next Generation in a way that will kind of, mostly it's like, it could be, it is like pretty fan-based as far as like the character, the fans, I'm you know, fan. Is there any characters, regular characters I don't super, super enjoy? It's more of like uh, Sugut's talking about an episode, what, like which character is going to delight me the most or, or performance is going to delight me the most? Because uh, it could be different. Every, is it going to be Riker? Is it going to be Picard? Is it going to be Data? Is it going to be Dr. Crusher? Is it going to be Jordy? Is it going to be Wesley? Okay, here's one that's unlikely. O'Brien, probably unlikely. But O'Brien could delight me, though. Worf, oh boy. Other main characters that are free. Oh, uh, Lieutenant Troy. Yeah. Could be any of those characters or the ones that I'm forgetting that uh, I, I apologize to wholeheartedly. Uh, Pulaski, you know, maybe uh, in, not in this episode because you weren't in it. But so it, it'll be like you could listen to it whether you watched Star Trek The Next, Gener- Next Generation or not. Uh, it's just kind of a like uh, it's just a, a, a structure for me to meander around. I guess is what I'm saying. And again, if you're new, see how it goes and say, okay, well, I'm a huge next generation fan, next gen fan. So I kind of skip those or I do. I like to listen to those during the day or when I'm taking a bath to relax. So that's the structure. So then there's some thank yous at the end. Here's the thing. This is a podcast you don't really need to listen to or pay attention to. You can, or you can barely listen or you can pretend, you know, you could just kind of like tune in and tune out. But if, if you need to listen, uh, I'm here to the very end. So if you, you, you can't sleep, uh, or you're waking up and you just need a little nighttime, you know, nighttime buddy, uh, I'm here. And that goes to the other thing. There's no pressure to fall asleep. This show is more to be here as you drift off and to take your mind off of stuff to keep you company than it is to really put you to sleep. So you fall asleep at your leisure and just see how it goes. So whether it takes you, like some regular listeners, two minutes to fall asleep eh, or you really need the episode because something is going on or you just can't, you know, I'm here to the very end. I'm giving it my all for you because I do believe you deserve a good night's sleep. You deserve a little bit of relief and uh, that to make bedtime, like, at least neutral, if not something to say, hey, at least I got Scoots there. Scoots is going to try to right now make a metaphor about word massaging the word botch. And I guess the intro is a good uh, parallel for that because it's just like if if I did have uh, one, I don't, I think I would be out of business. Sorry, word massage, you know, appointments and walk-ins available. Walk-ins always available because we haven't had anyone make an appointment yet. And let's just say there's a world where words are walking around and botch comes in. Or botched. Oh, yeah, botched. Uh, oh, boy, that's even more letters. I gotta get my, I gotta get my extended table. Don't worry, botched. I'm ready for you. Now, I don't really get a lot of massages, but I know there's kind of a, like a ritual or 
a process. A process might be a better word for a massage. You know, there's the waiting room. There's the introduction to the person if you're, they're new. Then there's the you're getting ready. And the, the kind of, uh, like a little, not pomp and circumstance, but you could say a lower level version of that. Like, I'm not just going to take Botch and say, okay, Botch, let me start working on that because, oh boy, does it look uh, like the beginning of where I should start. I'd say, first I'd try, first I'd review Botched, uh, and it'd say B-O-T. they say, wow, uh, can't be, you know, maybe it was some rapport building. That just might, and you could say, well, I prefer a, a, a quiet, you know, massage. Uh, and i say, well, let me introduce you to my partner, Oots, uh, uh, no talking from Oots, uh, but in this case, uh, for the for Botch, Botch says, hey, yeah, chat me up. I said, well, I don't know if I could chat. I said, well, maybe, uh, so, you know, this is how I do. Maybe they, before they say, this is how it normally works. Uh, he said, man, like, uh, I don't know if you, let me just kind of work your associations out of you. That's where I like to start. Um, and so I'm going to, you know, do some of this, uh, do some of that. I don't know if you could feel my hands moving. And yeah, who doesn't that feel good? Yeah, it's like you let it out. You know, you're just a bunch of letters that I can't quite spell put together, like T C H E D, B, maybe B O, and even B O. You might have your own associations when the two of you. You say, well, that's usually B dot period, you know, period, period, O period. And I say, yeah, oh yeah, let me get in there. Oh boy, yeah, oh, okay, I can sense it there. Where that dot is, the psychic dot of the B.O. Yeah, let me just air that out, you know, get a fre- get some freshness in here. And, uh, botched, yeah, you see, wow, the TCH is, uh, that's, uh, that hits the palate. So, yeah, I'm just going to put my elbow down there and uh, work that right out of you. And say, yeah, you're just, you, 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 oh, yeah, I know, I know, it's, it's not easy. Uh, but think about this, uh, what if, you know, here's the thing, I usually like to misquote, uh, famous, uh, people influential in like thought, body, mind stuff. And I would say that, you know, Carol Dweck, sorry, Carol Dweck, you're right, botched. I got a, I, I botched that one. She would say, you know, if you have your growth mindset, then, uh, you see, you could start to see botching as an opportunity, and that's just the truth. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the whole world hasn't embraced the growth mindset, and it's not. You know, I don't think it comes natural to me, but I'm working on it, and now I'm working you. Oh, you're right. You are my client. I shouldn't be making it about me. Well, yeah, I'm glad you're here, Botch. Instead, uh, you know, I usually tell stories. So me, I'll just tell you. How about this? You just lie there. And uh, you just be in this moment. Right now, you're just uh, all these letters and a word botched uh, with no meaning lying on my table in my office in my studio here. And I'm going to go through and uh, we're going to talk about uh, Star Trek The Next Generation while you unwind and sink into that. And And while listeners may be listening and getting ready and getting into their beds and getting more comfortable... And I appreciate all of you coming by. It worked very hard. I yearn and I strive to help you fall asleep. Uh, 
So thank you so much for your time. And here's a couple of ways we're able to keep this podcast free for everybody. Thanks. All right, everybody. We're talking about uh, the uh, Sims of the Father with an N. Uh, Just in case that word. uh, It's uh, from Season 3, Episode 17 of Star Trek The Next Generation. And it's around more episodes, so you know it's going to be good. And this continues kind of our... uh, uh, getting to know Klingons a little bit better uh, series and Romulans uh, a little bit less so because, you know, they're still in the neutral zone, on the other side of the neutral zone. And we have kind of Worf to help us uh, ease, ease our, you know, get to get to know things. Uh, Stardate, uh, according to Captain's Log, is like four three four three six eight five point two or something. And we get an update on the exchange program. A Klingon's going to be the first officer. Uh, this is when Riker and Picard are walking. Uh, use the term patronize. Uh, we'll go through some of the dialogue. Commander Kern, I think, uh, is the name of the person. Uh, what does it say? Request to energize? Maybe something like that. Uh, it's not O'Brien working in this, uh, whatever, transporter room. They put teleport here. Question that we'll answer later is how long are shifts on the Enterprise? Because uh, that came up. Uh, so Kern comes in. He says, right, because he's going to be the first officer. He says, you're relieved, bruh. Yeah, and then he says he's ready for duty. This is really, there's a lot of, this is uh, so definitely worth watching. Not for just the story and the content, but for the moments. Holy moments. Uh, just some classic uh, exchanges. Uh, so he says he's ready for duty. He has a stare down like, what up, Riker? I'm in charge now as they walk out of the uh, uh, transporter room. Uh, then he gives a, a spe- speech on the bridge, which is, he's no joke, this Klingon. He is a commander. Kern, uh, discipline, not what you're used to. What, what would... Oh, this is like stuck out to me. So Wesley and Data are whispering, and you say w, like WTF, you're like no whispering on the bridge, especially when your new commander's speaking. And I don't know what I mean. Wesley's a young person, so but Data, I said Data, what are you doing whispering with Wesley when your new commander? It's just a. It seemed like a lack of respect to me. Uh, or, I mean, I guess it's like a foreshadowing a bit uh, and uh, kind of a, like a, not a mini B plot, more of a plot to uh, misdirect plot. But I mean, I would send them to the break. Uh, I mean, no, no offense. I mean, I would get in trouble for whispering all the time too. Uh, Crow awards orders, crew awaits orders. Uh, at 2.35, uh, I think it's 2.45 because I'm looking, maybe not 2.35. Oh, no, yeah, it is 2.35. Uh, Kern sits down, a really classic moment worth watching. They head to the outer commentary commentary cloud, which is hard to say because it's commentary, not commentary. But Picard is impressed, and uh, then the episode opens. Let's see if there's any, uh, they're reflecting on Riker's time at the pod. I'm going through the dialogue now. Uh, be sure the crew's prepared for any unusual orders. Uh, Kern's probably studied before he got here. He requested Enterprise specifically. Uh, he comes on board. He's rocking his uh, belt and everything. 
A yielding first officer, may I take my station? Riker says, what if I show you your room? He goes, dude, I'm here to work, not to lie around. Uh, then he says, yeah, you're going to address me commander or sir at all times. I know all the Starfleet. I know your files. Uh, and uh, with your permission, Captain, you know, I'll be a disciplinarian. Uh, and then he says, when Wesley's, uh, he says, we'll see if you live up to your rep 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 reputations. What are you doing whispering, Crusher? You got something to say? Uh, no. And then they head out. Uh, okay, then. We're at nine forward. Is that what it's called? Ten forward. I, I'm only welcome at four forward, four below. Like they say, you scooch you, you're banned from ten forward, nine forward, seven, six. They say you could go to four below, which is like a below deck hangout. It's just it was formerly a broom closet. Uh, and that's where me and Stan hang. Okay, they're at the bar. Riker goes up to Will. He does his classic legs uh, swing. Wes has a socket face. Uh, then Jordy comes in, also very grouchy. And uh, I, I, I don't normally comment. Uh, Jordy's like, we're going to have to work double shifts. Even Riker gives a big sigh. But these, these staffers are weak, man. Uh, I was not impressed at how we could say they say Riker goes, huh, let me get this conversation with Wesley. Something up with Commander Kern? Yeah, I can't do anything right. Uh, he's on my case. And then Riker says, problem, Jordy? He goes, yeah, with, uh, he goes, what did they find something in engineering? He goes, yeah, inspection. Uh, while we're doing maintenance. And he goes, uh, oh, we don't do inspections during maintenance. And Riker goes, well, Riker first is like, well, it's different. They believe in strict formality of command. And Jordy goes, this isn't a Klingon vessel. He's got to loosen up. Kind of like he's a new cab counselor or something. Uh, Wesley, they're like, he's on everybody's case except for one person who wouldn't mind it. Then we go to Worf. Uh, let's see. And this is like the most non-passive aggressive, uh, just a full passive. He's going, Kern's going full baby mode on Worf. He goes, oh, very good. You handled that well. Worf's face at 640 is worth about a million dollars. Uh, then we switch to Riker and the, um, I'll go through the dialogue, but Riker's like picking his below his lip, thinking on the elevator. Oh, also put down that Tony Todd is an actor playing current, a very famous actor. 156 trip to Captain's Mess for me. I don't know if that's a number. First, oh, this was the first time I went to the Captain's Mess in an episode, I think. Uh, a suggestion, question mark? Okay, Riker kind of has to, to, to talk, uh, uh, violate chain of command. Wasn't anybody paying attention when that fish dude that uh, was on that episode recently? It was, it was the same episode where Riker was on the thing, uh, but Riker raises his voice. Uh, there's a W. I, I said WTF, dude. What kind of Starfleet third command are you? Uh, Riker glares. Then we're at the officers' messes, turkey and comedy. Well, this was one thing I thought was funny. I didn't put the time at this, but Data's standing by. So, so I, I, I just presume Data doesn't eat. This is another thing I just don't know. And I could probably learn that if I paid attention or anything. But he's standing right by the turkey. As, uh, of course, Picard's cutting, carving a turkey. 
I put buy the food like a goof. Uh, he's just staying in there. This is kind of awkward. They say, okay, I'm only comfortable talking to this person, and now they're carving the turkey. Better stand by them while they carve the turkey. Uh, we get a Caspian Sea shout out. Let's see. Oh, yeah, Worf and Kern. Oh, great job. Very good. Uh, you've handled that well. Worf doesn't like how easy he's going on him. Okay, Riker says uh, to Kern on the elevator, or whatever that thing is called, uh, you're, you're very impressive, your knowledge, but I'd like to make a suggestion. The dude's like a suggestion, bruh. Uh, haven't you been on a, like, uh, really? I mean, I think if, like, uh, some people might handle it more diplomatically, but I think even Picard would be like, uh, he told the, the blue guy, yeah, talk to Worf, he's your commander. But Riker says, Riker's being passive-aggressive, he goes, oh, when I was on board the pot, it was hard for me to uh, adjust to the crew, you know. I had to adjust to who I am. Maybe that would, I could help you. And the guy goes, no, thanks. And Riker goes, yeah, this isn't a Klingon ship, by the way, a super pet. And then he goes, yeah, now you would know it if it was, because uh, you'd already be out, outside uh, floating by. Uh, then we have to, to a comedy about the turkey and the replicator. I did find it strange that uh, Kern doesn't like uh, um uh, uh, what do you call that caviar? Because he said, "Well, I want some something a little bit more edgy." Uh, so I thought that was, uh, uh, and then Data tries to explain that a lot of fun. Well, really, this was your comic relief scene. They sit down to eat. He doesn't like the food. He, they say, uh, "Troy says how are things going." He goes, "Well, I almost had to take you know Riker." He says, "It's just a really good scene." Uh, and Picard has to bring everybody in line. He says, yeah, the exchange program's about tolerance. Uh, and he goes, shaking up the status quo. And then Jordy and Riker still can't let it go. Uh, Riker has to say, well, he's keeping us on our toes. Jordy goes, and then some, no offense. Uh, and he goes, yeah, none taken right now, but I won't forget it, Jordy. And... Uh, yeah, he goes, if we were on another ship, you'd be a big, big trouble. And then, uh, Caspian Sea, let's see. Uh, orchids are on the table. Oh, it looks like they were drinking fruit punch or something out of flutes. Uh, also, everyone seemed like they had potatoes and broccoli. Both, uh, that's great. Like boiled or steamed potatoes. Uh, smaller ones, like a selection of uh, colorful ones. I don't know if people call those new potatoes. I don't know why they got the term new potatoes. They say, oh, it's not one of these regular old-fashioned kind. It's a new potato. It's purple, red, and uh, other colors. Uh, a dude would be good. Oh, yeah, this guy, I don't know, maybe he was on, uh, but this character, Kern, would be great in Game of Thrones. He's got a little bit of torment going, uh, early torment. Uh, to Bland, Jordy, uh, the, oh, oh, Jordy goes, uh, oh, the food, Jordy also steps in, so he goes, when uh, Kern says, this food's too bland, he goes, Worf seems to love our food. And they say, Jordy, duh, like, uh, uh, seems, uh, okay, then Worf, uh, oh, seems to agree with Worf, uh, 
Then we're at Kern's room. Doorbell rings. He says, enter. It's Worf. His hands are behind his back. Uh, Kern kicks back in a chair to listen. Then they kind of go back and forth like an old married couple. Mev, yap. Uh, this is a purpose for a carve league or old broomstick. Uh, I don't know. That is a purpose for Cavalier or an older Browski. Uh, fitting in details, big news, the challenge, question mark, big music. Uh, oh, maybe it's older brother? Uh, that is uh, the purpose, repose uh, for Kevlogger and older Broski. Uh, filling in de- fitting in details. I mean, basically what happens is Worf says, dude, why are you on my ca- not on my case by being on my case? And they go back and forth about being a true Klingon. Worf kind of goes, uh, Klingon. And he goes, by the way, he goes, it wasn't being a hard on you. I just wanted to check uh, if you were a real Klingon. You had the heart of Klingon. Because that's what I would expect from uh, my brother. And they go, then they fill in. Oh, yeah, well, I was one when you went to Kitmer. Uh, mother and father were just supposed to be a quick work trip. Uh, now Stan Lorg. And uh, that was this. Then uh, Worf goes, geez, I thought I'd heard you weren't around anymore. And they said, yeah, he, they thought I was Lorg's kid when, my, when nobody came back here. And he goes, that's why you're on the Enterprise, keep an eye on me. He goes, well, I want to see what kind of Klingon you were. And he goes, well, you're, you're deceiving me. He goes, well, it's required. Uh, he goes, because your curiosity. He goes, no. The challenge to going on a high council. Father's uh, a traitor. So that's a big music. Then Picard and Worf are meeting. There's slow zooms on both of them. As Worf says, my dad's uh, been set up or something, uh, so I got to go defend his honor. And Picard goes, well, what do you know? He goes, not much. I'll find out Duras was my father's rival. He goes, it'll disgrace our name for seven generations. I got to clear it. Uh, you know, it's, uh, Picard goes, well, if I understand it correctly, uh, or first he goes, uh, yeah, I'm responsible for my father's mistakes. Uh, he goes, will you grant me a leave? And Picard goes, no. You know, respect a member of my crew. Is in a fix here, and your actions reflect on me and the Federation, so I should go with you, uh, be at your side. And uh, so, this, uh, there was like a touching moment. There's a lot of nice touching moments, especially with Picard and Worf. Uh, will you grant me leave? No. Bridge, uh, Kern, Empire, great look at 1545. Uh, Nine Ford, the brothers talk, Chadich. Uh, Worf does uh, the tough lean-in on this ship. You, I obey you, but as Shadich, you obey me. Yes, brother. Uh, then we see the Enterprise over a greenish-blue uh, uh, planet. Uh, lightning, temples, uh, we're on uh, well, well, cloud, mist music, and then Riker, Worf, uh, Picard, and Kern, which... <laughs> Again, it always seems like, yeah, you just send everybody down there. Uh, they go right into a courtroom, and Worf uh, goes and makes a speech. Uh, so let's see. On the bridge, they go to the first city of the Klingon Imperial Empire. 
and it kind of wharf and kern talk at nine four ten forward or four below uh yeah, well, yeah, I need a chat each. Uh, will you be my chat each? Yes. Uh, sons of Moog or Mog, uh, stand together, family honor. And Worf goes, no, you're going to keep it quiet. Uh, you're my chat each. Uh, I'm going to take the heat. Uh, you're still uh, whoever that other dude's kid is. Also thinking, which we kind of already knew, is that uh, Picard has a lot of latitude with Starfleet to kind of do, do missions. Uh, I guess it kind of is a diplomatic mission. So when court starts, Worf says, yeah, I'm son of Moog. I'm challenging this case. Uh, and they say, are you prepared to take on, uh, like, things if the case doesn't work out? He goes, oh, yeah. And uh, who, he says, who are you? And Kern goes, I'm Chadich, man. I'm Worf's Chadich. Uh, and this Duras is a real, uh, you know, real, real J-E-R to the K. On Dwarf's case, talking, hearing my own request. Uh, oh, Picard's here. He goes, so what are you wearing a kid's uniform for with the outsiders? He goes, dude, I'm like Jean-Luc Picard. And Picard, he goes, we've done a lot. Worf's done a lot. Very proud of him. Uh, and we're here to help. Uh, and the head of Kem, Kem, Kempak or whatever is, says, okay, I could see this. your commanding officer. And Duras goes, so at some point, the truth has got to come out. And now it has that Moog uh, is uh, so, sold us out to the um, Romulans, of all people. And even takes a Worf's uh, thing off. Uh, and Worf goes, the day isn't over, bruh. Like, just wait. And then they say, well, let's take a break uh, and we'll do the case later. Uh, let's see. Where are we? Will you? Okay. Calls out Worf up in his grill, takes off sash, good day, recess, back to the bridge. Uh, Picard, they go back to the bridge. Picard goes, stay to get on it, uh, do this. Computers, give me these reports. Troy was with Picard, so I assume he was also consulting her before the scene started. You know, give me give me a breakdown of uh, the head of the judge and uh, high council and Duras. Uh, Worf and the judge just speak alone. Oh, someone also hands a, a, a secret note to Kern, like, hey, meet me at the playground in 20 minutes. Uh, and the head judge, he says, why'd you bring a challenge? Uh, why does it even matter, man? You don't even live here anymore because it's my father. And he goes, so let the past be. Mekba, I think maybe that's that dude's name. He goes, why are you going to dishonor my dad? And then Data and Riker are doing some research, and then uh, they call it Dr. Crusher even. So really, this has happened before. You see, everybody gets behind the person who needs it. I guess Jordy wasn't there, but they say, they don't know if they needed any engineering help. Uh, no, or, or Wesley. I'm just laughing at the facts, but... Uh, what does that say? I don't know. Then there's a secret meeting with Kern and, uh, I think Duras, uh, he goes, we know you're Worf's brother, man. We're all, ha, ha, ha. Uh, give up the case. Uh, he goes, no, he's my brother. And then he, they try to send him to the Klingon, the, the equivalent of the big farm in the sky for Klingons. And they go to a commercial. When we come back, we realize he's okay. He's at the med bay under Dr. Crusher's care. 
But he, they say, Jesus Christ already knows he's my brother. And Crusher goes, Worf, you sound like you already lost. I thought, you, you know, I thought you were Worf, Positivity City. And everyone giggles at that. Uh, then Data has some proof. Uh, he says, he goes, look at it, I got some. He goes, actually, according to Moog's, Moog's, he goes, I got all these uh, communication databases, right? And he goes, Moog did send the, like, shield codes out. Uh, he goes, these are the real records. It's Jordy and Riker, I think, helping him. Oh, so Jordy is helping. I'm sorry, Jordy. I forgot about you there. But then they say, well, there's gaps in the logs. Uh, and then Jordy goes, the time stamps fall out of sync. Uh, really, you're digging into the metadata. And so they go, this has got to be a cover-up. The time champs should have never fallen out of sync because they were in sync at one point, and then when the gaps occur, they fall out of sync. Yeah, then we have Picard and Worf. Uh, oh, because cover-up city, yo. We'll do some of that dialogue. Uh, not Duras, but the whole city council. Picard's the new Chadich. Uh, I ask you, I'd like to gesture. Oh, this is a really touching scene. Uh, okay, so Picard and Worf are in uh, the red, Picard's ready room or his office, right? And it's a bit like a winter soldier, uh, maybe, because he says, this is a cover-up, man. This is uh, goes to the top from the bottom, I think. Uh, and we'll figure it out, though. It, goes, it could be the whole council involved. And... And then uh, Worf goes, well, I lost my Chadich. i got to pick a new one. I'd like to pick someone from the crew. And Picard goes, choose whoever you wish. He goes, I choose you. Just like, uh, he goes, remember that Simpsons episode where Ralph Wiggum gave Lisa, uh, or Lisa gave Ralph Wiggum a, a Valentine and said, I cho- choose you. He goes, I cho- choose you as my Chadich. Choo choo choose my Chadich. That was a hit. Uh, Anyway, uh, and he goes, well, don't you want someone tougher? And right, Worf goes, dude, anybody tougher than you? Someone smoother? Worf goes, well, you're smoother than Riker, really. Someone cooler? And uh, Worf goes, I can't ask a cucumber, you know, because they're not a member of the crew. They're a replicated uh, vegetable from Earth. And Picard knows some going on, so he says, I accept. you Worf to say, I can think of no one I'd rather have at my side. Big breath on the acceptance from Picard. Okay, then we're at Picard, or then we're back in court. Um, Picard and Worf, uh, and Picard goes, my, or Worf goes, my challenge will proceed. Uh, and then Duras, Duras is disrespecting everybody or whatever. And they say, what are you doing here? This isn't a spaceship, Picard. He goes, I'm not here to command. I'm the Chadich. Yeah, they say, Starfleet does not teach you or something. Uh, you, oh, they go, you, like, uh, somebody says, uh, you're not, are you really tough? Obviously, they, they go, he goes, uh, Picard goes, you may test that assumption, uh, Something, something, we'll look at that. But it reminds me, I wonder if the episode with Young Picard was before or after this. Because when you've seen Young Picard, you, you say, well, that's a mistake. But Picard's a B to the A to the D to the A to the double to the S's. 
Uh, Crusher tells Riker, oh, is this like, uh, I don't know if this is the scene or not. Uh, Crusher, oh, this is on the ship. Crusher calls Riker and says she found a clue on the Klingon central net. Uh, So this was, uh, again, how forward thinking the show was. Uh, then we go to Duras making the case, uh, to, like, uh, for the cover-up. Uh, oh, see, Starfleet doesn't teach you to be tough. Uh, Kurt says, you may test that assumption at your uh, convenience. So, yeah, then they find out uh, that they, they kind of have, like, uh, someone uh, that worked with Worf's family. But then Duras, uh, you know, totally makes the case. We also learn, much like grandparents and uh like with the phones in movie theaters, Picard doesn't realize in the middle of a court case he should have his communicator on vibrate or on not on speakerphone when he answers it. He could he could answer with his headset and say, okay, I'll call you back. But he puts it on speaker. Yeah, I think he had it on oh, like one of those next, what those, remember those phones that were also walkie-talkies? Uh, but Riker calls... Uh, he goes, dude, we got a crack in this case, Commander. <laughs> Picard goes, sorry, I'm in the middle of a you know, Supreme Court case. Uh, let me, and I'm Chad Each. Uh, let me just sneak over here. Kalest uh, was uh, someone, Picard tells Worf then, I got to go meet Kalest in the old quarter. This is another great moment. Uh, 3245, Worf goes, I don't know if that's a good idea. You go into the old quarter. Uh, Picard goes, hey, I'm your Chadich, uh, all smooth and calm. Uh, but Duras's lackeys are watching. We go to a commercial. Then I said, a holy return of the Je- Jedi, for real. Because Picard's in full uh, Luke Skywalker at uh, Jabba's Palace in Je- Jedi undercover mode. Except he's more in a green, green quilt. And he goes up to... Uh, um. Collis house. She, she says, what do you want? Picard uh, goes, who's the traitor? She goes, I don't know. But Picard knows there's something up. Uh, he goes, well, then Worf's in trouble. I got to leave. She goes, leave then, uh, Jadich. And Picard goes into the mist. He goes, well, I guess Worf's case is lost then. Then he has a showdown with uh, Duras's minions. uh and they get a taste of the old flyboy Picard from back in the day. And when Par- Picard needs his own shot, each Colest uh, comes out in her bathrobe and sweeps, you know, sweeps it up. Uh, and then Picard gets an idea. He says, Colest, what if we, we just shake loose the truth? And she goes, what do you mean? He goes, you ever see a Tom Cruise movie with Jack Nicholson? Well, for good, all good men or something, it's called a few good men. It's called. And she goes, it hasn't come out yet. He goes, well, this will be a plot point, and it actually has, but uh, you're right, depending on the timeline. He goes, we'll close this case. Uh, He goes, just like they did, it'll work. And then Picard rolls in, just different than the movie, but it it seems similar. Uh, He rolls into court. He goes, I got an eyewitness, yo. And an open counsel, Duras, uh, talks about Calest, uh, but the judge knows her. They used to date. He goes, it's good to see you again. And uh, then they sit down for a private meeting, uh, and he goes, I asked you guys to leave. Now it's come to this. Uh, 
And it turns out that the whole thing is a cover-up for Duras's dad because he's rich and powerful, typical, and, you know, Duras is a little B-R-A to the T. Uh, then Picard goes, well, then Worf's challenge is successful. And the dude goes, he never had, there was no challenge. This was a, just a, this was a, whatever, a straw trial or whatever they call it. And then we get a taste of Picard outrage, which is, you know, always good. Let's see if we can dig up the uh, thing. Because the total thing with Kalos works, where they just ring her in for a minute. And they go, well, we just know what she knows. We'll just go to the press, you know, more or less like that. You know, if you won't do it in open court. But he goes, okay, so then the judge says, you, we just can't do this. It'll cause, a, like, a, he goes, don't you know, d- d- didn't your country once have a, whatever they're called, arrest, whatever they were called, uh, you know, wherever all, and they go, oh, yeah, that's, uh, who do you think owns the company that makes uh, all the replicators? Uh, anyway, so then uh, everybody has a laugh. Uh, and they say, uh, oh, so Picard goes, uh, he goes, you can't, he goes, you can't make judgments here. You just, uh, he goes, we'll break up with the Federation. He goes, you can't just make orders to Picard. Uh, and Picard goes, the alliance with the Federation is not based on nonsense, Kempak. Uh, you could be, you could keep your secrets, uh, but you can't, you know, railroad this case and Worf and his brother. And Worf sets up, he says, and then Picard says, don't Worf. And he goes, Chadi shall be silenced. He goes, cover him up for my brother. Let him live his life. And I'll take the blame. And Duras goes, no. And Worf goes, I'll give you even something better. Uh, Discommendation. And Duras goes, in open court? He goes, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll I'll, uh, blame my dad. and this really gets the justice's uh, thing. He goes, wow, you really are a Klingon at heart. You're putting a Klingon homeworld uh, in the aristocracy. <laughs> you know, just like everywhere else, the aristocracy first. Uh, you know, to keep the peace for everybody. And then Worf rolls in up on uh, Duras and goes, well, even though your daddy's rich, he's uh, the one that caused the Kitmer thing. Don't forget about that. Uh, and then somebody says, no, I'm ready. Uh, let's see. Oh, then his bro- oh, now Worf says, now I'm ready. Uh, then his brother's like, why are you going to do this cover-up? Why are you going to cover up for me? I want to get blamed, too. He goes, uh, no, I, oh, no, Picard has to tell his brother. He goes, he needs you, man. There's going to be another day. Don't forget this. Uh, we're gonna come. We're gonna make a comeback on this one, uh, and they do a nod, and then everybody turns their back on. Uh, everybody in the high council turns their back on. Uh, on Worf, uh, crosses their arms, turns their back. Even his brother has to because he's been, you know, ex ex hexed out or whatever. And then Worf and Picard energize out, and the episode comes to a close. In uh, what was a very classic, uh, amazing uh, episode of, Star- of uh, Star Trek. Yeah, no, it was Star Trek. Uh, I don't know why my brain went on that. Okay, let's look at our notes. Uh, for SAT and patronize is a good word uh, because we have patrons. It's to act as a patron, support, or sponsor. 
to go as a customer on a regular basis or to treat in a condescending nature. Uh, It's just uh, ironic, like, the word gets used uh, both ways. I guess, like, uh, to be a patron with irony, you know, passive-aggressive irony or something, uh, uh, like, insincerely. Uh, but that's spelled P-A-T-R-O-N-I-Z-E, patronize. Uh, okay, look, I wanted to look up shifts on um, enterprise. Uh, let's see, like uh, technical data, physical arrangement, um, operations. The bulk of people on enterprise uh, could get off in four minutes, uh, which would happen at Starbase 74. Uh, there's places people could hide out. Um, shipboard life, uh, average day aboard the ship. Uh, oh, this was like in data day four birthdays, two transfers, two chess tournaments, school play, promotions, and a birth. Uh, the enterprise normally ran on three shifts. Uh, uh, increasing to four shifts caused scheduling problems, uh, like in chain of command. Uh, uh, so usually three shifts, which makes sense. Those are eight, sixteen, twenty-four. Uh, commanders of ensign rank were required to share crew quarters, but were allowed their own quarters of a promotion to lieutenant junior grade. Uh, families just shared quarters. Uh, Ten forward was the center of the ship's social activity. Four below was where scouts went. And the holodecks were on 10 and 12, which I always wondered, for crew, entertainment for the crew, it says there, though. Oh, here's the ship's directory. This is interesting. Deck 2, Wharf and Data had the rooms. Uh, deck 7, oh, maybe Wharf had his room uh, at another point. Deck 8, Troy, Riker. They were only one room apart, according to this, 9, 10, and 9, 12. Uh, Crusher's quarters, uh, Troy's office, uh, uh, Roe, Ro, Lauren's uh, quarters, uh, also Deck 9, uh, could have been Troy's quarters, uh, Jean-Luc Picard's and 3601, which could be on Deck 9, Crusher could be on Deck 9. So this is interesting. Three shifts, uh, which I've worked at uh, places that had shifts. Uh, and normally they weren't nine to five shifts. I think they ended at three, a lot of them. And they were in the county. So I don't know if they were eight hour shifts anyway. Maybe they're eight and a half or nine because you don't get, you, you know, you only, you take a, you got to work your, your lunch break. Uh, I think you work nine and a half, eight and a half hours. You're at work for nine. And you're, I, I can't remember. You get to be at work for nine hours because you got a 15, two 15 minute breaks and a half hour unpaid lunch. So eight and a half hours, I guess. Uh, but it also gives you overlap uh, when you're switching. So three to se- wait, wait, uh, seven to three, three uh, to 11. And then 11 to 7. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what they were on Enterprise because they simulated, uh, I think they said simulated days. Okay, let's talk about the great uh, Tony Todd, uh, who's uh, like uh, so many movies, a lot of movies we've seen. uh, But like he was a voice in Transformers. uh, 
And he's just been in a lot of movies, uh, like uh, like all the other movies are great movies. Uh, uh, he's from the Eugene O'Neill National Actors Theater Institute. Uh, grew up in uh, D.C. and Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, he's been in movies, uh, films, um, and uh, he's in a movie coming out next year. But he's also been on tons of uh, TV, Boston Public, uh, Law and Order. Uh, Hercules, Xena, X-Files, Smallville, Psych, 24, Charmed, Stargate, Andronima, Minds, 21 Jump Street, Chuck. He played two different roles on 24. Uh, so that's interesting. Uh, he's in Star Trek, uh, Next Generation, and Deep Space Nine. Uh, Star Trek Online. So a lot of, a lot of, uh, just definitely someone you're like, holy cow. Okay. I know exactly who that is. Uh, when you see it, Caspian Sea, uh, is the world's largest inland body of water. It could be the largest lake or full fledged sea. It's a basin without outflows. Uh, it's located between Europe and Asia. Uh, on this broad step of uh, Central Asia, it's uh, 143,000 square miles, 33,701, 371,000 kilometers. Uh, that doesn't account uh, detached lagoon. It has uh, 1, 1. 1.2% salinity. It's a third of seawater. Kazakhstan on the northeast, Russia to the northwest, Azerbaijan to the west, Iran to the south, Turkmenistan to the southeast. Uh, well known, for a lot of uh, like uh, animal and plant diversity. It has its main uh, freshwater inflows from the Volga River, which uh, enters at the shallow north end. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, I just want to talk about his his formation is a remnant of uh, an ancient sea. Its uh, seafloor is the oceanic basalt, uh, basalt, uh, and not continental granite. It got landlocked over 5.5 million years ago due to tectonic uplift and the fall in the sea level. Uh, it's uh, yeah, largest inland body of water, 40 to 44 percent of the total. Uh, Luca Stream uh, Waters of the World. So cool. I mean, I love uh, I love the sea. Uh, it is characteristics common to seas and lakes. This is all from Wikipedia. It's not a freshwater lake, uh, uh, but it contains three point five million, three point five times more water than all of the Great Lakes combined. And the sea level has uh, risen and fallen over the uh, history of it. Uh, and it has a lot of flora and fauna. You can read more about it via our link. Um, uh, let's see. Let's see. Well, we got 44 minutes here. So let's do uh, uh, a few good men, and then we'll see what else we have. Now, I was really surprised. I didn't see this. This movie came out in 1992. I would have bet 99. And one of the reasons it's so catchy is it was written by Aaron Sorkin, which I didn't know. Uh, he originally had a play by this name, and it's a classic. Uh, again, I thought it was more modern than 92. 
which tells me that a lot of people probably haven't seen it. It's uh, Tom Cruise, uh, Jack Nicholson, uh, Demi Moore. It's a Rob Reiner film. Uh, Kevin Bacon, Kevin Pollack, uh, Kiefer Sutherland's even in it. Uh, James Marshall, J.T. Walsh, uh, Wolfgang, Wolfgang Bodison. Uh, acting it is produced by Castle Rock, uh, distributed by Columbia. Came out in the holiday season in '92. Uh, a little bit over two hours. Uh, budget was like 30 to 40 mil. Made 240 plus in the um in the box office. Uh, and contains, you know, you can't handle the truth. Is the most uh, famous line from the movie. Uh, but again, really had this. Uh, you really, if you haven't seen it, it's a movie worth checking out. I, I remember the last time I watched it, it was probably in the last five or years, maybe six years. And again, it was somewhere else where I, and I had something to do. And then it came on like cable at, probably at a hotel room or something. And I just I got sucked right in. And I said, wow, I forgot how good this is. Uh, and a, a lot of the roles, like, uh, I think uh, Demi Moore and Kevin Pollack's roles are definitely uh, very underrated. Uh, so definitely a movie worth uh, checking out. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, oh, the Kitmer incident or whatever. Let's look that up. Or Kitmer is an inhabited planet uh, in the Kitmer system. And it was a vital role in the Klingon Federation Alliance, uh, as well as the site of the Kitmer Conference. Uh, uh, because when the Romulans uh, snuck in there, uh, let's see, that, that, I think that's like, uh, it was a neutral site for the Federation of the Klingon Empire. This is like 2293, near the Romulan border. And that's when they had their conference there, the Kitmer Accords. Uh, and then in 2346, uh, the Klingons had a colony there, and then some Romulans uh, snuck in. And uh, I guess that was like uh, whatever his name is, Dad, and not Worf's dad, who's fully innocent, of course. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it was also in novels and other, a few other episodes. Uh, but yeah, I, d- I did want to learn a little bit about that. Um... Let's see. What about Prince Caspian? Uh, oh, to be Prince Caspian, float upon the waves. This fish sings. Uh, he is this from the film, though. This is a fictional character in Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. Uh, noble, handsome, brave, and merry. Strives for fair, fairness and justice. Uh, devoted king. Also known as Caspian, the seafarer. A young nephew and heir to King Miraz of Narnia. Thirteen hundred years have passed. Uh, let's see. They have the mythical, like uh, when he's a small boy. He hears all the stories about the history. He has to deal with his uncle. I don't want to. I guess I don't want to do any of that. Uh, uh, but he's in those books. Uh, also, was in uh, there's a television serial of it by produced by the BBC, and then uh, the movies, which uh, didn't um, fully get made out. Uh, they, I guess they made. I don't know. I, I don't see the movies listed here. Yeah, but that's a little bit about Prince Caspian. What about Klingon? 
Uh, let's see. This is from Wikipedia page. Uh, they were developed uh, in uh, 1967 for the original Star Trek series. Uh, uh, feudal authoritarian warriors. Uh, and as the makeup effects things, they were redesigned for Star Trek The Motion Picture. That's when they got their foreheads and uh, kind of made out uh, to be a little bit samurai-esque, I guess. Uh, and they were recurring antagonists in the 60s uh, Star Trek uh, and the feature films. Uh, then in Next Generation, they became a close ally of humanity. And in the 90s in Deep Space Nine, they all joined together. Uh, let's see. They have the Klingon language, uh, which was developed by Mark Orkland, uh, suggested by James Duhon. And it's one of the most, it is the most popular fictional language. Yeah, let's see. They were changed for the motion picture. And uh, no Klingon characters were in Rathacon, uh, but they were in uh, Search for Spock. And they got deeper depiction in The Next Generation uh, with Worf. Uh, and uh, let's see, there's a lot here, so I'll link to it. Uh, changes in appearance, uh, biology, robust and enduring biology. Uh, let's see, the spiritual people uh, that took over their own gods. Uh, uh, they, they instead of the big farm in the sky, they can go to Stovor Core or Graythor. Uh, so that's where instead of the big farm, spiritual leaders Kalas, a uh, messianic historical figure. Uh, she, she, she has her own sword, a uh, sword of Kalas. And uh, let's see, they have their own language, as we talked about. Uh, you know, they have their own ships, cloaking technology. Their homeworld has several names, uh, like uh, just like we call Earth, Earth, or Terra. You know, they just call it home. What the heck? This is our home. Uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, yeah, that's about it. I'll link to that. That's just a little bit more about the Klingons. And, yeah, so that's tonight's episode, another uh, great uh, Worf-related one where we get to know Worf even better. Uh, so, good night. Here's some thank yous.